Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of my message is The Art of Wanting. The Art of Wanting. Let me tell you where I'm getting this message from. It's in Psalms chapter 23. Um, and David writes this. Now keep in mind that he once was a shepherd boy. All he did was watch sheep in his father's field. And now when he's writing these words, he's now the king of Israel. He has seen God firsthand take this boy that nobody knew about and make him the king of a nation. And so he sits down with that in mind and he writes these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And he keeps writing. This is out of experience. It's not something that somebody told him. He writes, he restores my soul and leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then he keeps going. It's it's, it's the cry of his heart, but it echoes yours and mine as well. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because even the king of Israel knows that you don't just jump from mountaintop to mountaintop just because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There are some times when you're between the mountains. Are you with me? Say yes. And you're in the valley. He says, even though... I am in the shadow of the, in the valley of the shadow of death. I will not fear evil for his rod and his staff. They comfort me. And then he keeps going. He says, yay. No, he says, he says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. And then he tops it off with this last line. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now, I want to, I could just like dive into the entire poem. But I just want to emphasize the first verse where he says, I shall not want. Interesting. Only somebody that has witnessed God take him beyond his wildest dreams could write something like that. He's saying it's doing no good to want because the things that God has in planned for me are greater than the things that I want. I say this from time to time, allow me to say it again. If you knew God's plans for you, your plans for you would no longer matter. And so he says, he leads me behind, no, he leads me to green pastures. What does that mean? If you're sheep and you are in green pastures, you are surrounded with abundance. He's saying, the Lord leads me 
to abundance, I'm going to stop wanting and stressing and, 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 and freaking out and trying to orchestrate my life and going crazy when my plans don't happen. Because when I rest in him, he takes me to abundance. And then he says, he leads me beside still waters. See, you can be in abundance and be completely stressed out of your mind. And you can't sleep at night and you're fighting with everybody, but you got a good paycheck. And it's just like my whole life is falling apart. And someone can say, yeah, but you have a job. And you're like, but my life is falling apart. And what David is saying is, he leads me to abundance and with still waters so I can sleep at night. Are you with me? Say yes. Come on, let me hear you. Are you with me? Say yes. So when he says, I shall not want, what that tells me is that there are certain wants that are dangerous. They're dangerous. Now, as a human being, you have to want. And there are certain needs that you have to have. And and it's even okay, regardless of what some people may say, to want things that you technically don't need. Like, if you want to go to Hawaii on a vacation, that, that's, that's not a bad want. If you want a car that starts, it's not a bad want. Right? It's, it's okay to want these things that make your life easier and more enjoyable. But there are certain wants that are dangerous wants. Let me see if I can illustrate it. Um, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, Saul, this was the king of Israel before David, uh, he was being attacked by Philistines. And so he told his troops, do not fight back. Just hide. Hide in caves. And so they hid in caves. And while they were hiding, the Philistines were coming closer and closer and closer. And he kept saying, Hold your ground, do not attack. And the reason why is he didn't want to attack without knowing that God was with him. He didn't want to attack without knowing that God would help him. And the only way to be sure was to get on his knees and offer the Lord a sacrifice along next to the prophet Samuel. Samuel had to be there. Because God was going to bless the priest and the king sitting next to each other offering a sacrifice. But Samuel sent word to Saul, I'll be there in seven days. So every day that went by, Saul was telling his troops, don't move. Don't move. Samuel is almost here. Don't move. Samuel is almost here. Well, there were troops, scores of them. That couldn't wait for Samuel to come. They couldn't handle the pressure because they could see the Philistines over the hills. They were getting closer and closer and closer. And they started thinking, Saul has lost his mind. We're going to die out here. And so they started leaving. They started going back home. And Saul's army was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And then finally, day seven rolls around and Samuel doesn't show up. Have you ever in your life thought to yourself, God, I need you to come through by Thursday? Yes. Come on, let me hear you. I, are you with me? Say yes. yes. 
I need you to come through on Thursday. And then Friday comes and you're like, now you didn't come through. Now I'm going to have to take matters in my own hands. I'm sending the email. I'm making the phone call. Are you with me? Shout yes. yes. This was where Saul was. So he made the sacrifice. He's moving on without Samuel. He's not giving God what he wants. He knows he is displeasing God. But he cannot take the stress anymore. And so here Saul is. He wants peace at all cost. He cannot take the pressure. He cannot take the, the, the season that he's in anymore. I want peace. And when you want peace at all costs, oftentimes you will step outside of his presence. Waiting for his presence is of paramount importance if you want victory in the season that you're in. If you try to move without him, you will pay the price far greater than the price of waiting. I know waiting is hard. I know waiting is hard. I'm with you. It is hard to wait on God. But it is far easier to wait on God than to move on without him. Are you with me? Say yes. Come on. Are you with me? Say yes. There has to be a resolve within us that says, I've moved on without God before. I've made plans without God before. I didn't pray and I just moved and I reacted and I did what I thought was best and I didn't pray. I didn't seek counsel. I didn't wait. And when I look back, all I did was make a series of mistakes and I'm not doing it this time. I refuse to open up my mouth unless I know God is with me. I refuse to take a step unless I know God is with me. I refuse to make a decision unless I know God is with me. And if I don't know if God is with me, then I'm not doing anything at all. That is a hard place to be. But we will never see God do miracles if we are not willing to wait. Because he will not move on our schedule. Has anyone figured that out yet? He is not looking at our schedule and saying, I don't want to be late, Frankie. He is not paying attention. Here's another case study. So Saul wanted peace at all cost. The rich young ruler wanted pleasure at all cost. You can read about it in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus was walking on the street. He had disciples around him. He had a crowd around him. All of a sudden, this young man comes up and he says, hey, teacher. I don't like the way he's addressing Jesus, but that's another point. He goes, hey, Jesus. No, he says, hey, I wanted him to say, hey, hey Jesus. He goes, hey, teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus looked at him and I believe, this is just me, it doesn't say it in the Bible, I think that Jesus just kept walking. He just kept walking, he looked at him and said, follow the commandments. But he pushed back, the young man pushed back and he said this, he goes, no, 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 I've already been following the commandments. What else must I do? In other words, I have been following the commandments, but there's still something missing I can't put my finger on it, but something is missing. We've all been in seasons like that. Something's missing. I should be happier than what I am. I am not as happy as what I should be. Something is missing. Raise your hand if you've ever been there. Something's missing. 
It's easy to blame somebody for it because at least we have an answer. It's his fault. It's her fault. It's its fault. It's the job's fault. We go to blame people. But Ephesians 6.12 tells us that that's not the answer. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We can't put our fingers on what's missing. And so he goes, what must else I do? And Jesus said, why don't you sell all your stuff and follow me? The last time he gave that that invitation was to fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. They left it all in a moment and became one of the two of the 12 disciples. So wrap your head around the invitation. He's given him, the rich young ruler, the same exact invitation. But he turns it down. Because there were certain pleasures that he enjoyed in his life that was actually more dear to him than the presence of Jesus. Jesus is saying, come follow me, come be close to me, but you got to sell everything. And he's going, no, 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 no. I like those pleasures. I like those pleasures. Abraham was wealthy beyond measure. And the Lord never asked him to give up his wealth. Why is that? Because it was crystal clear that God was first place in his life. But for the rich young ruler, it was not crystal clear at all. And so Jesus said, make a decision. Make a decision. Is it these pleasures that you like or is it me that you... Which one do you like more? Wanting pleasures is a scary want. It's a dangerous want. In Romans chapter 13, verse 13, it says, because you belong to the light, do not participate in the darkness. And then it describes what the darkness is. It says this, do not participate in the darkness, which are, there's six of them, wild parties, drunkenness, Sexual promiscuity, immoral living, quarreling, jealousy, any one of those six, you're getting pulled into the darkness. Don't participate in it. Follow me. Stay close to me. And for the rich young ruler, he said, you're asking for me to give up things that I love. And I feel like that is an unfair decision. And because of that, I'm not following you. It is a scary, scary moment when somebody comes face to face with the reality that you cannot pursue your selfish ambition and your selfish pleasures and give your whole heart to God at the same time. You have to pick one or the other. People don't like that because they want to live any way they want to live and enjoy whatever personal desires they want to do and have as much fun any way they want to and still be in the perfect will of God. And it's just not simply the case. That is not an option. We, disciples of Christ, we have to hate what God hates and love what God loves. 
I used to have a friend of mine um, in high school. He No, it wasn't in high school. It was um, in, in college. He would work out all the time. Big muscles. Huge muscles. His, his chest muscles didn't even look human. I'm just like, what is wrong with you? And, and so he, he had muscles on top of muscles and veins sticking out. And, you know, he had that whole thing going on. And I remember asking him, are you, are you on your way to getting a six-pack as well? And I'll never forget what he said. He goes, no, I'll never have a six-pack. I like ice cream too much. <laughs> he weighed it out. He weighed it out. I, I like ice cream or I can have a six-pack. He weighed it out. And he goes, no, I'm not willing to make the sacrifice. Everybody wants more of Jesus until it's time to make a sacrifice. Here's the reality. If you want more of Jesus in your life, less of your own personal desires have got to be in the equation. But know this, that there is a false belief out there that says in order to have more of his presence, you cannot have any pleasures. That's a lie. It is a complete lie. There's some people that really believe that. I can't pursue Jesus with my whole heart because my life is going to be totally lame if I do that. And their wants are out of control. Remember the title of the message. The title of the message is The Art of Wanting. It's okay to want. Just make sure the right wants are consuming you. Because if the wrong wants consume you, you are risking intimacy with Jesus Christ. But if the right wants consume you, not only do you experience your intimacy with Jesus Christ, but you experience pleasures that this world has no knowledge of. Let me unpack this thought, starting with a quote from C.S. Lewis. He says this, If you aim at heaven, God will throw the earth in. But if you aim for the earth, you miss out on both. What do I mean by that? What does he mean by that? It is a false choice to say, I either have the presence of God or I have pleasures. That's a false choice. See, when you serve God, you get all of the above just as long as he's first. And what I mean by that is, uh, let me see if I can support this thought with the scripture. In Psalms 1, verses 2 and 3, it says this, Those who love the law of the Lord, and in the law meditate on it day and night. It is, you love it. You're pursuing it. Then you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Your leaf will not wither. No part of your life is going to wither. Instead, you're going to bear fruit in due season. And here's the clincher. Anything you do shall prosper. Anything you do shall prosper. God wants us to prosper. 
But he wants to be the center of our life and then he makes everything else prosper. When we go to get prosperity in our life, finances, we're locked on finances. We're trying to figure this out. We're trying to figure that out. And we want to have fun and do whatever we want to do. God's standing there and saying, you are looking in all the wrong places. I need you to come back and focus on me. I need you to regain your focus and look at me. Let me just share. In 2020, 2021, the enemy's primary attack or his primary strategy, that would be a better way of putting it, is to overwhelm us with concern. Overwhelm us with concern. Health concerns. Financial concerns, family concerns, 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 overwhelm us with concerns so that we're sitting there trying to spin 10 plates on 10 different sticks, trying to do the best we can, getting stressed out of our mind and don't talk to me while I'm working. Spin this one. Our family is doing good. We're doing good. We're doing good. Oh, shoot. I just lost my job. Okay, I got a new job. Okay, I'm doing better. Oh, shoot. My family's falling apart. Oh, my job. Oh, geez. I need to start working out. I'm looking like Santa Claus. Okay, my family. You're trying to spin all these plates because you have so many concerns and we get tired. Do we get tired? Yes or no? We get tired. All of a sudden you start looking at your husband, at your wife, and you're like, I don't know if I love you anymore. And you say, you have to, it's Valentine's. It's a law. You cannot love me tomorrow, but today I'd better have some chocolates or something. It's a law. We spin these plates. We get tired. And then we back up in the secrecy of our own thoughts. We say, all I want is some stability in my finances. All I want is this and all I want is this and all I want. These are good wants. But the wants have crossed over to consuming us. And what Jesus says is, if you would just please, and I'm saying this imploring you if you would just please in all you're doing just slow down and focus on me just focus on me pray to me talk to me make me a part of your life because I have the wind of the Holy Spirit and I can blow all those plates and circles for you I can make the family better I can make the finances more stable. I can open up doors for you that no man can close. I can do these things for you way better than you can do them yourself. Want me, desire me, pursue me. Come on, put your hands together for that. It's almost like there's this poem I read. I think it was Shakespeare. I had to memorize it in, in high school, and I can't remember the poem, and I can't remember any of it, but I remember the last line. It was something like, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Does anyone remember that poem or something? It, I remember that, and I, and I just think that the enemy comes into our life full of sound and fury, and we're just going, ah! 
I can't take it anymore. And it's because we're trying to fight something we cannot see. It's an enemy that we can't see. Ephesians 6.12, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against evil authorities and rulers in an unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. That's what we're fighting. We're trying to fight against something we can't see, and then we back up, and all we really know is that we're frustrated and we're tired and we're exhausted and we're tired of pretending like everything is okay. And what the Lord wants is for you to draw the line and say, okay, from this moment forward, I am going to embrace the pursuit. If there's one thing I do well in my life, It will be pursuing him. If that's the only thing I do good, it'll be pursuing him. Isaiah said in chapter 62, verse 6 and 7, take no rest, those of you who pray, and give the Lord no rest until he accomplishes his promises. Do you receive that today? Do you receive that? I want you to know and I want you to hear me say that there's something special happening in the body of Christ, in, in the church, in the kingdom of God. It's, it's hard to watch, but it's special at the same time. It's heartbreaking and special at the same time. The heartbreaking part is that every church on the planet is half empty. Every church on the planet has less people in the church than it did this time in, 19, in uh, 2019. Every church on the planet. Now, we all know it's COVID, da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da. But I can't help but to wonder. It doesn't hurt to wonder. But I can't help but to wonder. Is COVID really the reason why people are not coming back to church? Or is it the most perfect excuse there is? I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, you cannot argue against it. Now, for some people, it is a legit concern. And other people, they go to the grocery store, they go to the mall, they go to the movie theater, they go bowling, they go and shoot pool, they, they, they do everything No mask, having fun. Do you go to church? No. And by the way, if you're watching this right now and you're wondering. (laughs) And you're wondering what I'm looking at. I see a lot of people wearing masks. I see a lot of people not wearing masks. We're open. We're waiting for you to come home. You do what you feel comfortable in doing. But what I, let me get back to my point because I'm chasing rabbits. I'm not going to catch any of them. Here's my point. Only the core of the church is left. Everyone else is busy. They got too many things going. Or they're afraid. But at the end of the day, 
In 2019, people came twice every six weeks. Twice every six weeks. I'm not talking about celebration, but I'm including celebration. Twice. Now, conveniently, there's no space for it. They're either too busy or it's COVID. This is a very sad thing because it's people I love. I don't see anymore. Every pastor's heart is broken. But it's also very exciting because the Bible says that at this present moment right now, he has put together a remnant chosen by grace. A remnant. I tell you what, when I was growing up, I always wondered if the Lord would allow me to be a part of this remnant, last day's remnant. I always wondered, I always wondered, you know, am I going to live an old life and am I, am I going to be a remnant? And I'm going to tell you, I really, really believe, I really believe that we are in the last days because Half of the church is gone. And that's never happened before. If you read the scriptures, Jesus talks about how half of the church will be gone in the last days. He preached about ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. He said two will be in the field. One will be taken. One will be left. Two will be at the mill. One will be taken one will be left. Two will be in the bed. One will be taken. One will be left. He was not talking about worldly people. He was talking about the church. How do we know he was talking about the church? Because when he talked about 10 virgins, all 10 virgins were waiting for the bridegroom. They weren't non-believers. They were waiting. It's just five of them got distracted and stopped. The fact that we're dealing with half tells me we really are in the last days. But the half that remains, that is the half. That is the remnant of the whole that will do the things that he talked about. In John 14, 12, those who believe in me shall do the same works that I have done. I am challenging you and I'm reminding you that the enemy's attack right now is to overwhelm us with concern and to get us wanting, wanting, wanting to make those concerns go away. We must get comfortable with unanswered questions and get comfortable with concerns because they're not going away. And pursue in spite of the concerns This is a completely different service than the first service and the second. I'm sure you've put that together in the last five minutes. My heartbeat for our church is that we really would look at Sundays like a celebration to encourage each other, to equip each other, but then go out there Monday through Saturday 
and have the gifts of the Spirit flowing through our life because without the gifts of the Spirit, you can not. You can. I used to think it was an option. Now I don't. You can not fulfill your complete assignment because you can talk to people and be their friend and have 79 coffees with them and their marriage will fall apart before your very eyes. You need the gift and the presence of the Holy Spirit to move through you. And with the simplest words out of your mouth, God steps in and removes a heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh. With the simplest words out of your mouth, a healing takes place. The simplest words out of your mouth is a prophetic word that unlocks all the chains that are on their life. We must have it. And the only way to operate in the gifts is to pray for them and then take a risk. It's very hard to take a risk because you want to know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt before you do anything that God's going to be there. Well, that wouldn't be faith, would it? Three weeks in a row, I've tried to lean in to hear a name from God and a sickness that that person has. A, a name. The first week, I can't remember what the name was. I think it was Jessica or something like that. Was it Jessica? I can't. No, it was the one before that. Who? Kelly. I can't remember. But let's say it was Kelly. Kelly, is there a Kelly here? And I asked the question, is there a Kelly in the room that is having respiratory problems? Well, nobody raised their hand. And so immediately I felt like, well, I missed it. But there was a mother on the third or fourth row who raised her hand and says, I just got a text message from my daughter. They're taking her to the hospital. She's having respiratory issues. I didn't know for certain that that was God until I got confirmation. 30 seconds earlier, I was crossing my fingers. How's that for honesty? Crossing my fingers. But at a certain point, you have to decide, is fear going to keep you from taking a chance? The worst that can happen is I can feel stupid. And I have felt stupid for far less reasons. The best thing that can happen is you really did hear from God. The second week, I thought, I asked, is there a Casey in the room? I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. You're in a rough patch. Well, guess what? No Casey in the room. I'm like, of course. We get an email the next morning from Casey who was listening to the 9 a.m. service, but I said it in the 10.15 service. It's very hard to lean into the gifts when you got three services on a Sunday morning and then you got three other services watching online and you think to yourself, God, how in the world am I going to be able to do this? I don't mind looking stupid, but the faith in the room drops to the basement. Help me out. I promise you, every fiber in my body says, Frankie, just stop and play the safe game. It's the same thoughts that you guys have. 
Last Sunday, what was the other one? What was the Tony? Is there a Tony here that's lost his vision or is the your eyesight is going? You're having trouble with your eyesight. Nobody raises their hand again. And so I'm not one of those guys that kind of like change it. I didn't mean Tony, I meant Bonnie. You know. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, if I missed it, I missed it. My wife gets a text message Monday. Hey, tell your husband that I brought a visiting family. And they all came except for the husband. He wasn't able to come to church. And his name is Tony. And he's losing his vision. And I'm thinking to myself, we, I would have liked to have had this text message on Sunday morning <laughs> in the middle of service. What's my point? My point is this. I am living facing the same risks that you are. It looks different, but it's the same. We have got to get comfortable taking risks and believing what the scriptures say that these signs shall follow those who believe. That's all of you. That's all of you. That's all of you. Come on, put your hands together. That's all of you. Let's all stand to our feet for me, please. I'd like our prayer partners to come down if they would. I want to try to illustrate what I mean when I say that's all of you. Are there any prayer partners here? And I only want two or, two or three to come up. Are there any prayer partners here that feel like they have a word of knowledge about somebody here that has a, a specific illness or ailment that the Lord wants to heal right now? Um, Is there anyone that has that? And if you do, I want you to come on up on the stage. Um, Here, somebody help Serena. I don't want anyone to fall. Anyone else? Two or three. Come on up here, BB. Why am I doing this? I want you to know. I want you to see. It's not just the pastor that steps out and operates in the gifts. And guess what? If they say it, and nobody raises their hand and they miss it, I miss it all the time. But if somebody raises their hand and comes down here, the probability of them experiencing an instant healing in their body is very, very high. In fact, sometimes they get healed while they're walking down here. But if you don't raise your hand, all of us kind of go, uh. So don't take one for the team and lie. <laughs> it's not like I pay my wife 50 bucks. Hey, if nobody raises their hand, I need you to raise your hand. <laughs> Come on, it's Valentine's Day, baby. Do it for me. But if you don't raise your hand, I know it's awkward. I know it's nervous. I know it's scary. But all you have to do is come down here. We pray for you and that's it. You don't get embarrassed. Nothing like that. We just pray for you. Um, I need a microphone. Okay. BB, come on up. What's on? What, what, talk to us. Um, just as I was sitting there and you were sharing about you asking God for names. Um, and so I did too. And I, I heard the name Kim. And then I felt sensation in my body and then I asked him what was that and then I heard the word fibromyalgia so 
Is there a camp here who has some like nerve pain that just overall pain? And it might not be Kim specifically. Yeah. Well, let's let's lean on that. Let's. Is there first of all? Let's just say, is there a Kim here that says, "Hey, you're. I believe you're talking to me." And and I've gotten some really good counsel that. Maybe it's not you, but they're in your family. You know exactly who she's talking about. Maybe it's not your family, but you know exactly who she's talking about. You know a Kim that is fighting with whatever that word was. Yeah. <laughs> Raise your hand if that's you. Don't even scratch your head because I'll say it's you. Is it you? Yes. What's your name? Kim. All right, come here. Come here, just stand right here. See how scary that was? It was scary for you, and you weren't even the one that said it. What do you think the probability of her about to get healed is? Go ahead. Um, I feel like it's these two fingers. They grow numb and they tingle and they close like this. Like you can't open them. And I also feel like there's something with your nerves. Like sometimes you just get really, really shaky. In your right hand. Yes. In the right hand. Is that somebody in this room? It's in your right hand. Nerves in your right hand. Is that anyone? All right. This is what we're going to do. Let me help you guys step off. Now, I'm, I'm begging you guys. You feel the faith in the room go up when somebody raises their hand. But if you don't raise your hand, you're robbing the rest of us of the faith. So we love the emails that says, hey, you were talking to me, but I didn't raise my hand. It's good for me, but it's not good for everybody else. So she's going to experience a healing right now. Uh, is there a, a Tanya in the room? A Tanya that's having breathing um, sinus issues. Tanya. I don't want to stretch it too much. Tanya, 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 Tanya. Sinus issues. Is that anybody in the room or somebody in their family? You know who I'm talking about. Man, I feel strongly about it. I'm almost wanting to wait for a while. Let you build enough courage to raise your hand. 
But if I wait too long, somebody will be like, just raise your hand. I know you're Jessica. But... Is it you? Your, your name is Lathania. Nathania. But your family calls you Tanya. And she has constant sinus problems. Constant. The Lord knew I was never going to be able to get your real name. What do you think the likelihood is of her getting healed right now? If you need a healing in your body, if your heart, if you're watching what is happening and you're saying, I need to get my life right with God. I, I want you to come down here and take the hand of somebody down here. Can I say this as well? Pray this week about who to invite to church because God's doing something really, really special among us. And one of the most sad things in the world is not sharing what God's doing. In 1998, God did a phenomenal work in the church that I grew up in. And I regret to this day that I didn't invite anybody to what he was doing. The Lord's doing something sweet here. Would you just raise your hand? No official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. But let's all just sing this song one or two times through before you leave. 